0: Hey guys, you're listening to Terrifying Travels, the podcast where two friends discuss a true crime and a paranormal story in a new city every week, except for today is the last day of Christmas.
1: Yay! Last day of spook Miss finale! On the last day of Christmas, Maddie brought to me one blazing home inferno. Yeah! (laughs) Very good. Yes, very good. Thank
0: you. I'll be here all year.
1: Encore, encore, encore. <laughs> all right, guys. Welcome to the finale of the 12 Days of Spookmas. We are wrapping up on a big one. We made it. And I'm going to be covering a very famous Christmas mystery. No, not the mystery of why that relative keeps getting invited to Christmas.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, well, aren't we all <laughs> dealing with that this year? My, grandma, my uncle just keeps, hey Sabrina, would you like more wine? It's like, fuck yes, please. <laughs> You're kind of quiet. There's a reason for that. Just the
1: wine. <laughs> yeah, just please fill up the glass, please. Yes, thank you.
0: <laughs> Which he's pretty good at, though. I like him.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now we're covering the mystery of the solder family. <laughs> Fine. Before I do that, Sabrina, how do you feel about the 12 Days of Spookmas? I have
0: really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Like, I'm aware you've, to be honest, you've definitely put more work into it than I have. Um, my exams finished yesterday. But it's been really nice, to, especially doing my exams. It's been so nice to talk to you. Yeah. And my regularly. It's been fun to do this again. Um, I've enjoyed the mythical creatures i've covered your case i'm not gonna lie Every like i said i've said multiple episodes now it's really sad to sit back and be like wow we are at christmas we are discussing how these families lost christmas yeah <laughs> but this is such a big case i assume you're not gonna be able to fit it all in in a reasonable length episode
1: yeah, so I kind of just have the facts here. I don't have a lot of the speculation or a lot of the extra uh, strings attached to this case. I just have the facts and what the family did to like try to solve this.
0: It is such a big case, and that's all we can really ask from you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's really big. And so maybe we'll visit this again if I want to do a deeper dive. But I think I have the basics. So Okay.
0: All right. So and do you have, by, before we start, we won't discuss our opinions,
1: but do you have an opinion on what happened? <sighs> you know, during, before I started researching this case, I thought I had an opinion of what happened. Now, after I've researched, I have a, like a completely different opinion.
0: I don't even have one. This is one of the few times where it's like, I genuinely, like, it's such a mess. Mm-hmm. I don't understand any of it yeah like everything is like well that makes oh nope that doesn't make any sense well then here we are well how does that happen but this case is really weird that's for sure
1: yeah yeah this one's a doozy in fact. oh yeah
0: i love this case
1: yeah i do too so let's dive into it Okay. I le- I let's start at the very beginning with the parents So, George Sauter was born in Sardinia, Italy in 1895. He immigrated to the USA when he was 13, going to live with his older brother, who was accepted into the USA. George would never talk about why he left Italy. George found work at the railroads in Pennsylvania, starting out as just an errand boy carrying water and other supplies to workers. After a few years, he got a better job as a truck driver, and then he started his own trucking company which would help construction sites and later haul around coal in West Virginia, where coal is a major industry there. George then began to date Ginny Caperni. He would later marry her, becoming Ginny Sauter. The husband and wife settled outside of Fayetteville, West Virginia on the north side of town. Fayetteville had a large Italian immigrant population and they felt at home in their two-story home. In 1923, they had their first child, the first of 10, George's business prospered, even though George had very strong negative opinions about Italian dictator Mussolini. The immigrant community was not too happy about this. But the Sodders continued to have children, ten of them. Poor Ginny, is all I can say. Just all, all of them.
0: Like, at this time, women were just popping out kids. Like, oh my god.
1: Yeah, bless bless that woman. Bless her. Oh my god. Like, whew. The children were. I can were, barely handle my cat. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I honestly, like, I think about 10 kids and I'm like, that's a classroom. That was our classroom. Oh somewhere. my God.
0: That's a classroom.
1: That's a classroom. And all of them are related to you. And all of them are your children. The
0: only benefit to that, let's so there's, say there's lots of ups and downs, whatever. But in this specific comparison, the benefit would be the fact that you know the parents. Mm hmm. And so they should all technically be raised the same-ish. Yeah. So you yeah. won't like have that one kid where it's like, wow, your parents just decided to free range you, didn't they?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, well,
0: ten kids of your own, you free range them all.
1: Yep. Yep. Like I am
0: just I'm always surprised when I learn about like, you know, at one at that time they were just popping out babies all the time. It's stunning that we didn't have like chaotic monster children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I just can't see how you would prop- properly parent all of those kids.
1: Well, the oldest ones had like they a ton them, yeah. more like parenting responsibilities than kids yeah. nowadays. Yeah. So the children were John, 23, Joe, 21, Marion, 17, George Jr., 16, Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 10, Ginny Jr., 8, Betty, 6, and Sylvia, 2. It reminds it's me cool. of
0: discussing Marie Laveau's kids.
1: Yep. You got Marie, you got Marie, you got Marie, you got Marie. Oh, <laughs> a you got a Marie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she they were having kids like every two years, basically. Oh, and basically
0: that's as much as she could do.
1: Yep. Yeah. She was like never not
0: pregnant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also
0: crazy that at one time this was normal. Now we call this the Duggars. Yeah. <laughs> like but like not even to specifically calling them out. But if you had that many kids now, you're starting to push like you'd be getting some type of social media fame.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean like you're right, this was very common. Like this is during my grandmother's time and she's like yeah. one of eight. So yeah. just very, very common, big like just big Family. yeah and there's no. a lot of
0: reasons for that like they will eventually become free labor but also frankly like my dad's side wasn't like this but my mom's side you're just listening to stories where it's like yeah well so and so died and then this one died and then the tractor drove over that one and the, the same tractor rolled over that one and <laughs> <you> <laughs> had to- i'm not joking i know uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I go. you had to produce all the kids it's like it's like tadpoles you had to produce all of them and maybe eight of them will make it <laughs> true it's like turtles that like crawl towards the beach like they hatch them are this- definitely gonna ca- crawl towards the highway yeah or like get eaten by a seagull <laughs> or a is
0: gonna pick them up and play with them
1: oh my gosh yeah oh don't don't do that to turtles. If you see turtles crawling towards the ocean, don't shine your light. Or actually, do shine your light, but shine it towards the ocean.
0: We'll stand by the ocean and shine it over there.
1: Yeah, yeah, because the turtles will go towards that. And try to help the turtles. Don't touch them. Do no, not. Touch I am them. that way with the sea
0: stars too.
1: Yeah. You know what?
0: I've touched them as a kid. Like we've all picked them up. I spent so yeah, much time playing with everything in the water. The amount of time mm-hmm. I spent trying to roll sea cucumbers around on the floor to get them to puke up their guts. <laughs> uh, they never did. Was so, I guess I'm not scary enough. Yeah. But uh, the first time I went home for Christmas, I got. I think I recently told you the story. I got the mosquito virus, and oh, I was yeah. so sick. And my mom took me to, she, you know, you feel better. I was a little bit, I was getting better. She's like, you know what, let's go to the beach, like maybe some time in the sand and in the water will help you. It did not. I got much worse. Oh, no. I don't think that's C's fault. I think that's just, that's the way the, the virus was going. Yeah. yeah. But I happened to sit up as some Taurus baby brought her she had built a sea, sand, sandcastle sand castle and she brought the sea star up to put on top of the sand castle it' no! be and I just get that sea star back in the ocean and then I fell back down oh no <laughs>
1: she mom,
0: I was like I'll do what I'll do it. she explained the situation like you you know what we've we were always taught though when you hold it hold it under the water like don't actually bring it out of the water um but she's bringing it up and put it on the sand like girl. I was prepared to fight. My sick ass was prepared to fight. <laughs> and not that child. That child doesn't know any better. But the parents taking photos, I'll fight you too. <laughs> yep. Yep. That is my ocean. There's a reason I took so strongly to Ariel. That is my ocean. You yep. go put that thing. If I, I think my dad swam it back out, but if I had been oh, feeling yeah. it, I would just take it and swim it back out.
1: Oh, bless.
0: <laughs> so that was a detour from children.
1: Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel. Well, yes. So back to the Solder family, and the family was very happy, and it was just a typical middle-class family. Then things started to go weird, to say the least. Just a little. Just a little. The last Solder child was born in 1942, little baby Sylvia. The second oldest son, Joe, was drafted for World War II and served in the Italian theater, where Mussolini was deposed and executed. Which left the community with some hard feelings towards George. In October of 1945, an insurance salesman came up to the house, and when he was rebuffed, he said that George's house would, quote, go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed, unquote, because of his, quote, dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini, unquote.
0: See, there's so many comments like that and stuff that come up where it's like, okay, no, somebody set that fire for sure, for sure, for sure.
1: Mm. But it's just, I don't know, man. Well, put a pin in the salesman. He'll pop back up later. Yep. Another visitor to the house took the occasion to go behind the house, look at the fuse box and say, Mm -hmm. quote, that would cause a fire someday, unquote. George was really confused by this because he had just had the house completely rewired and inspected, and the local electric company said that it was safe. The week before Christmas, George's older sons noticed a strange car parked along the main highway into town, the people in the car watching the younger children as they returned home from school. But, yep, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I wasn't.
0: Well, I was going to say something, but I wasn't going to say something. But that's just, again, one of those things where now that would not fly.
1: Yep, that would not fly. That would be a report to the police. Or at
0: least like by the way, it's gonna go on Facebook. Like it's just so weird
1: that like at one time people were like, well that's weird, but oh well. Well can't do anything about it, but gosh darn it, that's a real weird thing to say. Yeah, and now we're like,
0: no, you're if, even if the cops don't take you seriously, I'm gonna notify all my neighbors through Facebook that there's a car watching my small children.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, or what? Yeah, or there's this new app that's really popular in the U.S. called Nextdoor.
0: Yes, I have. I've joined next door, but it's honestly, from what I saw, just a lot of bitching.
1: Yeah, mine's just a lot of, has it? uh, Lost dogs and stuff. Like, lost dogs, lost cats. Like, is this your cat? Is this anyone's cat? But, yeah, it's good to be, like, on there and know, like, what's going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. 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 So, despite the remarks, the Sauter family continued forward to celebrate Christmas together in 1945. Marion, the eldest girl, was working at the Dime store in downtown Fayetteville and surprised her younger sisters, Martha, Jenny, Juder, Jenny Jr., and Betty with new toys. The girls were so excited that they asked their mother if they can stay up past their bedtime. Ginny agreed as long as the two second oldest boys in the house, Maurice and Louie, remembered to put the cows in and feed the chickens before bed. The eldest boys, John and George Jr., were already asleep. Jenny then took baby Sylvia and went upstairs to go to bed. The telephone rang at 1230 a.m. and Jenny answered the phone. She didn't recognize the woman's voice and there was a sound of laughter and clinking glasses in the background. Jenny hung up and went back to bed. She noticed that the lights were still on and the curtains weren't drawn, which the children normally did when they stayed up later. Marion was asleep on the couch and Jenny assumed that the other children had gone back up to the attic where they slept. She closed the curtains, turned out the lights, and returned to bed. At 1 AM, Jenny again woke up to the sound of an object hitting the house's roof with a loud bang and then a rolling noise. She stayed awake for a moment, but then went back to sleep. (sighs) A half an hour later, Jenny woke up again, smelling smoke. When she got up, George's office was on fire around the telephone line and the fuse box. Ginny woke up George, who woke up the older children. Jenny grabbed the baby, and they fled the house. Both parents and four children, Marion, Sylvia, John, and George Jr., escaped, escaped the house. They yelled, Escape! Escape. <laughs> they yelled to the children upstairs, but they couldn't go up there as the stairway was already on fire. Now, they tried to call the fire department, Marion running to the neighbor's house to use their phone, but for some reason, it didn't go through. And their phone line was cut as well. A driver nearby saw the flames and tried to call the fire department from a tavern, but that call didn't go through either. Finally, they ran into town and called from the center of town. George attempted to climb into the house and broke open a window, cutting up his arm in the process. His boys tried to use a ladder to access the attic, but the ladder wasn't in its usual spot and couldn't be found. A water barrel nearby was frozen solid. George tried to get his trucks closer to the house to climb into an attic window, but neither of his trucks would start, even though they worked perfectly the previous day. The six surviving solders had no choice but to watch the house burn down and collapse over the next 45 minutes. The firefighters did not exp- respond until later that morning. This is mostly because the fire station was low on manpower due to the war and the department had to call each firefighter individually as they were home celebrating Christmas. Well, it was our
0: our police station burnt down because the fire truck was literally, the fire station was literally right next door to the police station, but the keys were on the other side of the island. Oh, no. <laughs> so they couldn't use the fire truck.
1: No. Oh, no. The firefighters couldn't do much when they got there, but looked through the ashes of the solder's basement. They did find a few bone frogs fragments and internal organs but they chose not to tell the family although the firefighters search was cursory at best the fire chief morris believed the five children had died in the fire saying that it had been hot, hot enough to burn their bodies completely now let's discuss the aftermath of this strategy george to bleh, sorry George told the fire chief to leave the site undisturbed so that the state marshal can come and investigate. But after four days, they couldn't stand the sight of it anymore, and they bulldozed five feet of dirt over the site. They made plans to turn the site into a memorial garden for their children. The local coroner did an inquest about the fire the next day. Among the jurors was the salesman who threatened George. And the inquest found that the fire was an accident caused by faulty wiring. Since it was ruled an accident, death certificates for the children were issued on December 30th. Funeral was held on January 2nd, although George and Jenny were too grief-stricken to attend, so their surviving children went for them. The Sodders began to rebuild their lives, and they started to ask questions and find some interesting things. For example, if it was an electrical fire, why did the Christmas lights remain on throughout the fire? Why Why was the ladder in an embankment 75 feet away from the house? Why was the phone line cut? Also why was there no remains found when there were multiple things that were found in the fire and still recognizable, like small household appliances?
0: Well, that's everything I've listened to for like crematoriums that though, they get so hot to get through everything. And even then, to be honest, when you get cremated, it doesn't actually get through everything. Yeah. So like a house fire doesn't usually reach that hot.
1: Well, they did like a study and to completely burn through a body, like to completely burn through a body, like bones and everything, it has to reach 2000 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Which my stove doesn't even get to.
1: Right, exactly. So it has to be, like, exceptionally hot, and it has to be for a long time, like five hours. This house was gone within 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and why are there no bodies? Why are there no skeletons? Like, what is happening? Why didn't either of the trucks start that night? So... There's just a lot I of think thing. it was set,
0: and I think whoever said it did a very good job. Because you said that the neighbor's phone line was cut, too. Yes. Yeah, they did a very good job at making sure that this house was going to burn down.
1: Yeah, and they no one could get there, like, quickly.
0: Yeah. I don't know
1: whether they meant
0: for anyone to die in the fire. That mm-hmm. just worked out the way it did. Yeah. Um, but they definitely intended for that house to be gone.
1: Yeah, they wanted the house to burn. For sure. And like, frankly,
0: if you were to try to get back at somebody, I would say burning down their house is as close to killing the family. Yep. Because Absolutely. there's your home. There's everything, all your worldly possessions, memories, and everything are gone. Yeah.
1: Especially back then during wartime where you didn't have many things to begin with and all you really had was your house. But that's like your only yeah. t- type of like, e- equability? E- Equity? Equity. Thank you. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, although they had two trucks as well, so they must have been doing sort of well.
1: Yeah, because, like, he had the coal shipping company. I'm sure, like, with the war and everything, everyone was wanting coal to burn, so I'm sure they were doing okay. But, like... didn't
0: change the fact that that's everything you have. Exactly. And hopefully they were using a bank. Hopefully. Um, that was nervous. I don't remember that ever being brought up, but I'm just saying like, yeah, if you were trying to like really threaten, scare, or even punish a family, burning down their house is a great way to do it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that could be why if just, if just the house had burnt down and no children, nobody died in it, you might've found it in an alternate reality. There might've been letters sent in a couple days. Yeah. Yeah, that someone might have taken, we'll see what happens when you talk about Mussolini or something like that. But we're not going to do that now that actual people died. Yeah. That went further than we planned.
1: Yeah, so... And that
0: is all speculation. I just made that up.
1: It's all speculation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I have some evidence. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. So... Evidence soon emerged starting in that spring when all the snow was finally melted and it started to indicate that the fire was not accidental and instead set the liberty. Yep. A bus driver that night came forward saying that he saw some people throwing quote balls of fire unquote at the house. Baby Sylvia Found a small, hard, dark green, rubber like ball in one of the bushes by the house. And George said that it looked like a hand grenade or a pineapple bomb.
0: I just love the world that w- they were living in in the 40s, where like baby yep. Sylvia was just cr- pro- I, the way I see it everyone's trying to fight the fire, and baby Sylvia is like um, Maggie from The Simpsons. <laughs> just crawled off, and she's over there with her pacifier playing with the grenade. Yeah. Marge walks over,
1: what you got there, (laughs) hon? Yeah, I mean, this was, like, the next spring, so, yeah, so.
0: Okay, okay, so she she wouldn't be a baby anymore, she'd be, like, a year or two. Yeah. Still really young, but I could see her going out to play, okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Ginny remembered the noises that she heard on the roof and said perhaps someone threw one of them on the roof. Other people started claiming that they had seen the missing solder children from, and there was a ton of claims, from just seeing them in a passing car the night of the fire, which was from a neighbor, or seeing them at a rest stop the next morning in a car car with Florida license plates.
0: Yeah, this is where I start to get, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... With all these claims and questions and evidence, the Sodders hired a private investigator who has the coolest name. His name is CeCe Tinsley. <laughs> That's,
0: That's just... a great Christmas name, too.
1: <laughs> that is a great Christmas name. Oh, my gosh. And he was very quick to put things together from the threatening salesman on the jury of the inquest, who may or may not have tampered that jury. Yeah. All speculation. He shouldn't be
0: honest been on it to begin with, at least. At the very least, he shouldn't have been there.
1: Right, exactly. To the fact that the fire chief found a heart in the fire and didn't tell the family and decided to lock it in a box and bury it. Okay, but then you learn where that heart actually came from, right? It wasn't actually a heart. It was a liver. And it had nothing to do with the fire. It didn't have evidence of being burnt. It didn't have. It, it was just a fresh liver from somewhere. So it's kind of yeah. weird why the fire chief is like fucking with this grieving family, you know? Well, and again,
0: I do kind of wonder whether that stuff like that, where it's like, okay, well let us take claim, let let's plant this evidence. Oh, well actually, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. Call it off.
1: Yeah. It's like the fire chief in this story, who's Morris, like he's very much a interesting character. Like I could tell he's trying to do his job, but he's also trying to do something else in the background. Yeah. Like he's like, okay, I'm just sorry. look around. you
0: have to do that? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like even at the beginning, you know, I could things have I've heard weird things about the past where it's like, okay, well, this is evidence that something terrible has happened, but let's ignore it for now and not upset the family. So when they found bone fragments and organs and stuff like that, I could. Ha- yeah, okay, maybe they just... Okay, now's not the time. Although, frankly, rip the band-aid off. Now's the time.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. However, finding a... Like, I, I heard it was a pig's liver.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a pig's liver. Like, it wasn't even... And just even being like,
0: hey, let's it. put that
1: over there and see what happens. Yeah, I don't... Like, I don't understand why they're just fucking with this family. And it's like, how deep does... Potentially the mafia go in this community because it was a very big community of Italian immigrants and stuff so I don't know yeah I don't know I don't know
0: well or you could wonder you know if what are you saying about Mussolini upset the whole town that like baby was a mixture
1: yeah, I think it could definitely be a mixture for sure. Like these have some people were completely unrelated, and the, the police chief was like,
0: "Oh, fuck it, I'm gonna bury a, a pig heart here and really upset you." Yeah. But it's also like you gotta be some kind of scum human being. I'm, I don't see any way around yeah,
1: that. honestly, like that. Oh, that's just so scummy, disgusting. scummy. Exactly. Like that. That's the only word for it. Okay, so let's keep going with some evidence. So. George did try to get the FBI involved in this case. Uh, the FBI director, who was the first FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, personally responded to his letter saying, quote, Although I would like to be of service, the matter related appears to be of local character and does not come within the investigative jurisdiction of this bureau, unquote. Which, yes, very professional, very nice. But just like send one person. Like, can you spare one person to just look into this?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, especially if it's, like, mafia-related. And especially There's at so that many time, things, right? with this World War II. Like... Yeah, yeah.
0: Honestly, all they had to say, if they wanted attention brought to that case, oh,
1: but I think they're communists. Yeah, honestly. Honestly. Yes. In 1949, George was able to get a pathologist from the Smithsonian Institute to do a new search of the dirt at the home site, Again, they found several bone fragments and subhuman vertebrae, but the vertebrae had no sign of exposure to flame, and that the vertebrae was not a child vertebrae. In fact, it was later determined that this vertebrae was randomly from the town cemetery. What the fuck? Yeah, and so what's up with that? And then the pathologist agreed that the full skeleton should have been left behind. The building did not burn hot enough for long enough to burn the body completely. So the question is, where are the bodies or what happened to the children?
0: Well, and I kind of wonder, so like, I really believe setting of the fire was done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, For the most part, they did a really good job making sure that this house is going to burn. I kind of wonder if, if they did decide to take the children yeah whether it was done impromptu Mm. like i think maybe came downstairs while they were setting the fire or something like that because i think everything was done so well and these bits and pieces of body were clearly left frankly after the
1: fact yep
0: where if they decided yeah we're gonna go in tuesday night and steal these four kids they would have just went to the cemetery and like if they if they were me i don't want to say that (laughs) someone who's watched a lot of crime um just go replace the bodies with and then frankly none of these questions would have been brought up right exactly. because at the time would they have done a dna test to make sure these are the right kids no they're in their they're in their own house of course it's them yeah exactly exactly
1: yeah from here the case was starting to run cold but the sodders didn't give up hope they had flyers printed and offered a $5,000 reward, which would have been $64,000 in today's money. And soon,
0: money converter.
1: Yeah, yes. and soon they doubled the reward. In 1952, they put up the infamous billboard at the side of the house on Route 60 near Anstead. Today it is Route State Route 16 in West Virginia. George would follow up Any leads that came forward, going from St. Louis to Texas, to Florida, to Kentucky, the man did not rest. And there were so many leads and fake letters and everything regarding the children that I just don't have the time to get into it. But George chased down every single lead, determined to see if his children were alive somewhere in this world. And unfortunately, he would never get an answer. George died in 1969. Ginny and her surviving children continued to seek answers. Ginny stayed at the family home, putting up fences around it and adding additional rooms for all her children, including the missing ones.
0: That's honestly like the saddest thing when it comes to missing kids.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, I get it. I don't, you can't just move on because it's just kind of accepting while they're dead. Yep. There's that hope that it's just impossible to give up.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which makes it impossible to move on.
1: Mm hmm. Absolutely. For the rest of her life, Jenny only wore black in mourning and she tended the memorial garden by the house every day. She passed in 1989, and the surviving children finally took down the weathered and worn billboard. Their surviving children continued to publicize the case and investigate leads. They believed that the Sicilian mafia was trying to escort money from George, and his children were taken by someone who had planned the arson on the house, potentially taking them back to Italy. Now, unfortunately, Sylvia, the youngest daughter sibling, died in 2021, leaving this mystery for her grandchildren. The story lives on as internet detectives on forums like websloops.com and Reddit continue to investigate the case and keep it in public memory. There are several books and documentaries that cover this case, some ruling that the kids died in the fire, some ruling that they may still be alive. Nevertheless, this case has remained one of history's greatest Christmas mysteries. And that's my case.
0: And that's a good
1: case. Yes. Yeah. I know I did very much just, here's the facts, here's what we know, here's the evidence, but I really can't get into every single lead. Like.
0: <laughs> no, but I think you covered the most, the most important things. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, because that's the thing the kids are seeing. And then there was, I think at some point there was someone who wrote in code to the parents.
1: Um I believe so. Yes, there was a letter that they thought was from the boy Maurice or not Maurice, Louis. They thought there was a letter from Louis and he would have been like 32 at the time and it wrote like I miss my brother Frankie or something and then it had like A N S D like a lot of letters at the bottom. So they thought this was Louis writing in code to them. But then they followed up on it and it was just a random guy who again wanted to kind of torture. Which them is also a little something bit. I just
0: don't get. Yeah. I think like- we've again we've talked about this and recently an episode but like I could totally understand hey 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 you I need information like you want to share the gossip like tell me what's happening um like I would totally date a cop to get the information <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would absolutely not be like yeah I'm just gonna pretend I am one of your missing kids so I can find out what's happening
1: yeah that's like a whole other level of just like whoa man uh uh-uh, uh, that's not okay. Like,
0: I'm just out of curiosity, but I don't want to like harm the family.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, stop. Like, don't harm the victims. Don't re-victimize the victims. You know? Yeah.
0: I don't get that at all.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't get why people do that or like why they get like so caught up in these cases.
0: Well, and the other thing with this one though is, I would say if it was any else who is potentially the kidnapper I would say well the kids clearly aren't alive otherwise they would have spoken out by now right right but if the mafia the mafia doesn't exactly die yeah exactly um and which just it breaks my heart that these kids would have if they had lived they would have lived and then died unable to come forward
1: yeah yeah or like the thing is it was the younger kids Like, the oldest one was Maurice, who was 14. All of them were under the age of that. So, with kids that are kidnapped, they kind of get very attached to their kidnapper. And they learn to adapt very quickly that they may forget their whole other life. Yeah. So, you know, Maurice may remember being one of the solder children, but if he can't talk about it, he can't do it. And then he has to maybe take care of all his other siblings, like, He's just going to go along with it until it just becomes normalized. Well,
0: and you never know what they could have been told. Like, no, we saved you from that fire. Your whole family died in that fire.
1: Yeah, exactly. They might think their other half of the whole family is dead.
0: Yeah. Well, if they were brought to Italy or something like that, um, they would have no reason at that time news didn't travel like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, no one would know in Italy what happened. Well, not no one, but like frankly,
0: at that time, even if you brought them to the outside of the United States, yeah, exactly. you didn't travel like that. A, a house fire would not have made it all the way to hell, Florida. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um,
0: exactly. yeah. Um no, but that fire was obviously set.
1: Yeah, that fire. And I think it was well set. Yeah, that fire was definitely set by someone, whether it be you know, they did mess with a fuse box or they threw a grenade on the roof, like. Or both. Or both. And then someone definitely tampered with the truck and threw the ladder. And, like, someone was around that house that night.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, someone was probably starting setting things up for a while.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they were.
0: They were definitely setting things up for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Okay, Maddie. Well, you asked me, but how are you feeling about the 12 Days of Spookmas?
1: I feel good. I feel good about the 12 Days of Spookmas. I think um, my case is, while very sad. Um, I think just kind of shows the dichotomy of the season and I think reminds people, you know, that Christmas isn't for everyone. Christmas can be a very hard time for people. And so we need to remember, we don't know what everyone has gone through. So be gentle on your fellow man and maybe don't try to shove Christmas down people's throats. <laughs> I,
0: I won't, I won't give her story away, but my best friend has some trauma related to December And so she's not big on Christmas. Mm -hmm. And every year, I feel like such an asshole, and I apologize to her. If she ever listens, she knows I love her, and I don't mean it. But every year, oh, you're such a grinch. Come on, do the Christmas with me. And then as I leave her house, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. There's a reason you don't do this. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if someone is being a little grouchy, a little grinchy, like, you don't know what happened to them around the Christmas time. So just be gentle on them, be gentle on yourself and just have empathy for your fellow man this holiday season.
0: I like that Maddie. And I think that's a great way to end Now Tell them to support us because we love capitalism.
1: (laughs) All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned as we try to start season two, which I assume will be probably mid January.
0: I think so. Take a quick break before we keep going.
1: Yeah, we're going to go enjoy our holiday season. We hope that you guys enjoy your holiday season. Be sure to like and comment on whatever platform you find your podcast. It's a great way to help us out. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays and stay terrified. Bye. Bye.